Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, just jumping in here quickly before to the start of the episode to let you know that I am celebrating the launch of the Bookwifery podcast in a really special way, and I hope you'll join me. In fact, I can't do it without you, so I hope you'll choose to participate. This show is launching with four foundational episodes, episode zero and episodes one through three. These four episodes are really important to help you kind of situate yourself within the landscape of book publishing and your own personal um, potential for book pregnancy in order to know how to move forward. What I'd love is for you to share with me after you listen to these first four episodes, what it is that you learned is true for you about your book pregnancy. I'm going to gather up all the responses I received to that question and do a super special episode of the Bookwifery podcast that allows me to read what people shared they learned was true for them about their book pregnancy and then offer a personal response to each one of you. I'm super excited about this. I love the chance for some sense of community that it will provide right here at the beginning and also just the chance to learn like what is the discernment that's happening? What is the learning that's happening about what's true for you in this process? If you'd like to participate, I'm going to ask that you do so by June 30th, 2018, and you can submit your response to me in one of two ways, either on Instagram at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by email at Christiane at bookwifery.com. Those details are also available to you in the show notes for any of the foundational four episodes. If you go to bookwifery.com slash podcasts, navigate to episode zero, one, two, or three, you'll find details on how to submit your response there too. So I hope you'll participate and join with me in celebrating this really fun launch of this new podcast. Thanks so much. Hello, I'm so glad to be diving in with you for another episode of the Bookwifery podcast today. Today, we are going to talk about my absolute favorite topic, which is discernment. And I really view it as the thing that makes what I do here at Bookwifery rather unique from a lot of other places you might find to go to learn about how to bring a book into the world. There's a lot of opportunities online to find experts, um, whether those are book coaches or publishing veterans or agents. And I think all of them are offering fantastic information. And it's important to find the people that you resonate with their message and their approach. I will just say right here at the front of this episode and near the beginning of this podcast journey, that discernment is one of the key distinguishing factors of what I offer here at Bookwifery that I absolutely love to offer to the authors that I work with. Um, I view discernment as something that accompanies us throughout the whole of the book pregnancy experience. Um, It crops up all the time, whether it's questions related to um, what book is being asked to be birthed right now. Um, A lot of people who have something to say have a lot to say, and so there's often more than one book inside of them, which I view as such a gift and really special and and important for the ongoing publishing journey. Um, But it's a question of what which of those books wants to be birthed right now. That's a question for discernment. Another discernment question that crops up along the way is um, something as specific as what what 
material in this book wants to be included and what pieces might be taken out. And so that can often be a discernment question, not just a brainstorming or strategic conversation. It can also be a question for discernment. What is the book wanting to hold inside of itself? Um, I view the book as an entity in itself, a live entity in itself that is wanting to be born. And we will talk about that as well in the life of this podcast. You'll get my perspective on that. But um, there can be discernment questions about whether a particular chapter or story um, is meant to be included in the the book. And making some decisions about that um, requires wisdom and listening and noticing. So that's a question for discernment. Another question for discernment that crops up pretty much every time is what is the publishing path for this book? So making decisions about traditional publishing or self-publishing. And then related to that, if you discern that traditional publishing is your path, there's the discernment related to agents and publishers and book deals. Um, What is being offered to you in terms of... um, putting together your publishing team. If you get multiple offers for a publisher or an agent interested in your book, you'll need to do some discernment around which partners are really the best fit for you and for the book. And so, yeah, the discernment, it's a real thing. And it it journeys with you through the whole of the life of your book pregnancy, even up to its delivery when you are thinking about the book, the birth plan for your book, um, discerning what makes the most sense for helping your book come into life into the world in a way that it celebrates that book in a fitting way that aligns with your intention, aligns with the spirit of the book and what you're about, aligns with your audience and what it is that they resonate with and will receive. So again, there there's a lot of strategy that goes into some of these questions. But for me at Bookwifery, what I look, look to offer you is um, kind of a, a deeper layer of that <clears throat> that I call discernment, uh, that I name as discernment. And let me tell you right now what what I understand discernment to be. And then in this episode, we are going to look at nine questions that you can hold and um, use as a process of discernment about whether you are pregnant with a book right now. So this this podcast episode is really um, ultimately meant to help you discern if you're pregnant with a book. It's kind of like you're coming to this process, this holding the question, am I pregnant with a book? And this episode is meant to help you hold nine questions, specific questions that can help you answer that. Um, I'm going to go through these nine questions based on a discernment guide, the book with free discernment guide that I've created and I use in the live um, online workshops, free online workshops that I offer to folks that help them actually hold these questions together and start to notice whether the pregnancy is is real. And so I make this discernment guide available to you for free. You can access it at bookwifery.com slash discernment. No email required. It's just a free download, free gift to you. Um, I It's really important to me that people striking out on the journey of book pregnancy have discerned their way into that journey, that they have really found that the pregnancy stick has come back positive. And so, um, yeah, I just want to offer this book with free discernment guide to you as a help in that journey. You're welcome to go to bookwithfree.com slash discernment and download that guide and work through it as I talk through the nine questions in that guide in this episode. 
with you. So you can make notes, um, start to answer your own questions, um, your own, start to put your own responses down in, in response to the questions, and then obviously spend as much time as you need with it beyond this episode. Um, so that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to talk about, talk through the nine questions in the Book of Free Discernment Guide. Again, it's available to you at bookwithfree.com slash discernment as a free download, no email required. And um, like I mentioned, I want to start by just naming or describing what I mean when I say discernment. So here at Bookwifery, um, you what you receive in me is someone who has um, editorial and publishing experience over um, nearly two decades, but you also receive in me a trained spiritual director and someone who is also um, trained in the work of spiritual formation. So I have spent the last 10 years um, working in that area as well, alongside my publishing work and my editorial and book coaching work. Um, I got a master's degree in spiritual formation and leadership that I studied for three years doing that work. Um, I also did a three-year training program in spiritual direction, which is really about accompanying people in in the space of where the holy is showing up in their life and how they are responding, how they're noticing to, noticing the holy in their daily life and how they are responding to that and what the invitations might be and so much of that, pretty much the fundamental work of that spiritual direction relationship is discernment. It's about noticing and listening and responding and um, hearing and um, just being in relationship with the holy. And so I use that in my work as well here at Bookwifery as I bring that background and that love for your connection to the holy, your sense of invitation and helping you um, take space, take time and, and space to notice and listen and respond. And so when I talk about discernment, I am not just talking about decision making. I am not just talking about strategy. I'm not talking about strategy at all, actually. Um, I'm talking about the reality of another entity here, present in your life. Um, beyond the work of the book, even, it's it's so much bigger than that. It's about your life. It's about your existence in this world and your connection to what you name as God, which may be the sacred, the holy, divine presence, loving presence. Um, I take kind of as a uh, an assumption in my work that the holy is real and that those authors who are coming here to work through their book pregnancies with me also believe that the holy is real and engaged in their actual lives and wanting to be um, a presence and a voice um, and even a director for them in the steps that they take with their life. And so when I talk about discernment, it's about taking time to acknowledge the presence of the Holy with you in any given moment, to, taking the time to listen to what the Holy may be speaking, taking time to notice what is happening in one's life and the possible invitations that are being presented to you to respond to that life that is unfolding before you and really making big decisions, big or small decisions, actually. Um, but in the context of book pregnancy, I view this as a big decision. Um, really taking time to make those decisions um, or say yes to those invitations with in, with intentionality, with mindfulness, with presence, and in a spirit of response to what the holy is inviting. So 
when I talk about all the ways that discernment can be a part of your book pregnancy in the whole of that experience, it really begins here at this starting place of, are you even pregnant with a book? And I love this question so much. I mentioned at the beginning that I offer a free online workshop that helps people discern their answer to that question. And I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do because these questions of discernment are so beautiful. Every person's experience of their life is unique. Every person's factors that are going into their discernment and their decision-making is unique. Every person's relationship to the holy is unique, how they how they notice and hear and respond to the holy. Um, every person's experience of discernment in their own life is unique, their sense of inner wisdom and inner voice. And so it's like every conversation about discernment is this very special, precious thing. And we never know what will emerge on the other side of that conversation. Or, um, And I say conversation, meaning broadly, like it doesn't happen in one conversation. Usually it happens over a period of time of noticing and holding questions and praying with and um, noticing inner and outer movements. So that is what I mean by discernment. And if that speaks to you, I am excited uh, to to kind of enter into this conversation today with you because I hope that you will find it to be helpful. If that doesn't speak to you, if that feels weird or too woo-woo for you, uh, that's okay. I honor that in you as well. And I just want to name that it's possible that Bookwifery isn't the right... partner for you to or companion for you on the journey. Again, I named at the beginning that there's a lot of different voices and experts and um, resources out there. And I, I just trust that every person has their own way to find their way forward. And so this is one major part of my way that I provide for people to find their way forward. And if it speaks to you, wonderful. I'd love to continue the conversation. Um, if it doesn't, that's okay too. And I just bless you and wish you well on finding your way forward in a way that resonates and seems to feel like a better fit for you. Okay, so going forward from here in this episode, we're going to talk about the nine questions to help you find book clarity. This is nine questions that help you discern whether you are pregnant with a book. Again, you can access the guide that I'm going to be taking these questions from at bookwifery.com slash discernment. And um, what I'm going to do in this episode is just um, name the nine questions as we go along and give you a little bit of commentary on each question in terms of what this question is meant to invite out of you in terms of a response and noticing, um, how it also helps you with your broader discernment around this question. So each question included in this guide is there by intention. Um, I view each one as a contributing factor in your discernment. I will say that there are some additional pieces to the question of discerning whether you're pregnant with a book that can be helpful. And I call that data gathering because the questions in this guide are very personal. They speak to your own personal lived experience, which is a huge part of discernment. But there's also times when we are trying to discern something where we need kind of factual information that can help us have like the full picture in order to make a good decision. And so The next episode that I will offer on the podcast is going to kind of go into some of those kind of contextual knowledge base information that you will also need in your discernment. So kind of, I encourage you to view this episode and the next episode as kind of partners, um, as a pair that are meant to help you in your discernment. So 
The last thing I'll say as an introduction, <laughs> it's kind of a lengthy introduction here, um, is that I do offer that ongoing um, free discernment workshop that helps you then take these nine questions, bring them to the workshop, and we actually have some engagement and time to really look at the different things that are coming up for different people as they respond to the nine questions and have some conversation and continuing to kind of push deeper into the different layers that can help you discern. So this podcast episode and the next podcast episode are a pair that are also meant to be kind of an introduction and a support for the free workshop that I offer. If that interests you beyond this episode, you want to kind of go into a workshop experience with these nine questions. Um, I want to invite you to go to bookwithfree.com slash workshop, where you will find either a sign up form for the next upcoming workshop or the chance to join a waiting list to be informed when the next workshop will be offered. I offer those every one or two months, uh, once every one to two months. Um, so if, it, if a workshop is not coming up in, you know, in the immediate future, when you access that link, there will be a waiting list for you to be informed when the next one will be offered. Okay, now we're really diving in. All right, the book with free discernment guide, nine questions to help you find book clarity. Question one, how have you begun to notice you might be on the path to writing a book? So this is just entry point question. Um, what is bringing you to this question of discernment about book pregnancy. Are you pregnant with a book? That question doesn't land, doesn't plant itself in your mind by, um, you know, just on a whim. It's usually because there are things going on in your life that are leading you to start asking that question. And so this question is just a place for you to write down the ways you've noticed that question coming up, where have where has it been cropping up? Is it is it cropping up in conversations with people in your life? Maybe it's coworkers or friends, a spiritual director, um, a pastor, um, random places where you might have these kind of one off conversations with strangers. People, people, note how have you noticed this question recurring? Where has it come up in specific ways? Um, maybe it's been an internal question that you've been carrying for a long time, you, f you notice that your mind keeps kind of going to that question. So naming that, writing that down. Um, one thing I want to say here is that um, the question of writing a book in general um, versus the question of writing a particular book right now are two different questions, okay? So, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the guide as we go through these questions, but um, I want you to notice here at the outset too, is this a question that's been traveling with you? Maybe it feels like your whole life. Am I going to write a book someday? And write that down in response to this question. Um, but also notice if there is a specific book right now that you feel like might be time to birth. Um, so I hope you can feel the difference between those two things, like the general question of a book and whether you're going to birth a book in your lifetime versus the specific question of a book right now in your life. Does it feel like a live question on the table? And is there something specific that is coming up in relation to that question of a book? Like something is actually starting to take shape inside of you rather than the longing or the desire for a book. It's like, I think something is actually growing and it's a specific thing. Um, the other thing I want to mention in terms of noticing the question of, you know, are you pregnant with a book? Are you on the path to writing a book is, you know, noticing your own internal movements. Um, this, like I just said about, you know, feeling like something specific is growing inside of you. Are you noticing any kind of pushing against you? Like there are 
um, ideas inside of you that feel really big, that feel bigger than the context in which you're able to articulate them right now, whether that's in speaking or writing articles or blog posts or um you know, being interviewed or, you know, teaching in some context, sometimes you might feel like um, when you're coming to this question, like there's something big in there that the current expressions you have at your disposal are not big enough to hold it. That can be another way of noticing that, hmm, I wonder if there's a book um, that's growing inside me right now. Okay, so that is question one. Question two, what emotions do you notice as you hold this possibility? So I'm inviting you with question two to just name and notice the actual emotions you're feeling as you ask this question. Is it possible that I'm pregnant with a book right now? Notice, just kind of take a moment to pause and notice your interior response. What kind of feelings, um, internal response are you having to that possibility? And to write those down. Um, I love to use the phrase, notice what you're noticing. It's something that I was trained in as in my training as a spiritual director, my, my instructors, my, my guides, my teachers often brought that phrase to presented that phrase to us. Notice what you're noticing. And that is often a lot of the work of discernment is just taking the time to notice what you're noticing. Notice the thing that is coming up. Um, it's so easy to just blaze on through our lives and not take time to be, um, to be noticing and then to be responsive. So that's what this question is, is helping to elicit in you is to notice the emotions and then to pay attention to what those emotions might be. And so what I'm inviting you with this question, first of all, to just name those emotions that are coming up, but then I'm going to invite you to put each one into a statement. So, um, let's say you're one of the emotions you're noticing crop up is excitement. Um, I'd like to invite you to actually take that a step further and and put that excitement into a statement. I'm excited about X. And the reason I invite that is because that the feelings that we can have when we hold this question from person to person might be common. Like a lot, of, a lot of people may experience excitement. A lot of people may experience fear. A lot of people may experience anxiety. Um, a lot of people may experience confusion. The, 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 the feelings, the emotions are common among us, but the, the reason why we are having that kind of interior response is unique to us in our own journey and our own experience of life. And so this is a moment for you to actually say what that emotion means to you. So um, I know I named the possible emotion of excitement. Um, if you were to put that statement into a sentence, if a number of people were to try to name what that emotion is like for them right now, you could have a whole lot of different responses. One person might say, I'm excited to um, put into kind of finite form, like something you can hold in your hand, everything that I believe about this topic and why it's important. Another person might say, I'm excited to have something that um, will give me an opportunity to do more things with my life, like a business, a book as a calling card in a way, or, or like a um, a piece of credibility that gives them access to other things. Someone else might say, I'm excited for my family, my, my children to see what is possible for them too. Do you see how like the feeling of excitement can be tied to very different things for each person? And I just want you to name what that feeling is for you. So maybe you name the emotion of fear, like I'm feeling afraid when I think about birthing a book. And what is that fear about? 
Um, someone might name, I'm afraid that I won't have enough to say to fill an actual book. Another person might say, I'm afraid that no one will want to publish my book. Another person might say, I'm afraid that speaking my truth in this book will create alienation in relationships in my life. Um, So again, it's like the fear emotion is broad, but the way that it shows up in each person's life is unique. One of the things that this question is is also helping you do is give give you data. St. Ignatius, who is a saint in the Catholic Church who lived about 500 years ago, he did a lot uh, to teach the world, um, not just the Catholic Church, about discernment. And he he wrote the spiritual exercises. um, He taught about the 14 rules of discernment. um, And one of the things that he offered to us in our understanding of discernment is the concept of consolation and desolation, noticing the spaces where we are feeling consoled interiorly and noticing the places where we start to feel desolation or desolate. Um, Now, when I say consolation and desolation, I don't just mean good feelings, bad feelings, good emotions, bad emotions. I mean kind of, or what he meant ultimately, is kind of this enduring interior sense. Um, So you might feel afraid and you might name a a fear of moving forward with book pregnancy for some specific, beautiful reason unique to you. But when you name that, emotion and the reason that it's there for you, notice whether there is an enduring experience underneath that emotion. So you might be afraid, but you might also have this kind of deeper trust that it's going to be okay, or it's the right way to go. Um, So we can have emotions and they can teach us so much about what is going on for us and what it is that we're ultimately needing to deal with, <laughs> with those emotions. But there's also this deeper layer underneath the emotion that we can then pay attention to. So you're noticing what you're noticing about the emotion and why you're having that emotion, but then you're going another layer deeper to notice what you're noticing about consolation and desolation in this place. As you hold each of these emotions, see if you can feel what's underneath the feeling. Is there kind of this enduring sense of well-being and peace and trust, or is there an experience of the life draining out of you, you, um, kind of a sense of moving toward despair or darkness or just lifelessness. Um, notice that as well and make a note of that here on question two. All right. One last thing I want to say here about question two is to notice the differences. Um, when you name each of the emotions and you name each of the reasons why you have those emotions, And you notice the consolation and desolation that might be enduring underneath all of that. Um, Notice um, the the statement that you write in response to each of those emotions. Can you you notice whether they are coming from a true place inside of you or a false place? And um, here I use language like true self, false self, the essential self versus the ego self, um, the authentic self. Versus the, again, that false self or that ego self or the um, controlling self. Um, As you look at each of the statements you wrote for each emotion, what 
is spoken from a place that is um, true in you, essential in you, versus the part of you that the the part of you that is the ego that might be speaking up, trying to get some attention, wanting to be pacified. And I just want to invite you to pay attention to that. Just being aware that there's various factors at play. We can have lots of different things going on inside of us that are kind of beating against each other, like um, kind of each having their own voice at the table. And that's okay. But just inviting you to notice the factors that are at play here, which pieces feel tied to who you really are, which pieces might feel tied to someone else's story for who you ought to be in the world, um, what pieces are tied to kind of the coping responses we develop throughout our lives to kind of keep ourselves safe and secure. and. Yeah, just noticing that right now. Okay, (laughs) now we're moving into question three. Question three is, why do you want to write this book? I'd love for you to take a moment to just answer the question, why do you want to write this book? And there may be, again, multiple reasons why. So write each of those down. Um, I'll name some that kind of come up for people on occasion. Um, for, for some people, it's I wanting to leave an impact or make an impact, um, make a difference um, with some work that has been given to them to do in the world that they, need, they know needs to reach a broader audience. And so they feel like, I want to write this book because I want this message to reach more people. Um, others may say they want to write this book because they want to um, leave some kind of legacy for the the work that the broader work that they're a part of. Maybe it's a con- contribution to the conversation that they feel like needs to be heard. Um, or, more, or maybe it's more personal than that. It's I want my children to see what's possible. I named that earlier as a as a possible thing that can come up for people. Um, some people want to write a book because they just love the experience of writing and they want a chance to do something larger, um, kind of that has more endurance than, you know, maintaining a blog might be, or even writing an article might be. Um, and they just want to be in the experience of working on a large project that is connected to, to writing. Um, for some people writing a book, it brings prestige and that's just a reality, um, to be an author in the world. It allows doors to open. Um, it, It means something in our culture for you to have written a book. And so that's okay. Just name that if that's one of the reasons you want to write the book. Um, So ultimately, you're getting at like, why does this matter to you? So I'd like to invite you to name all the reasons that are there for you to want to write the book, because again, it's a chance for you to be noticing what's here. What are you really working with? That's that's what all these questions are are helping you kind of articulate is like, what's what's all on the table? in this question, this bigger question that you're holding about book pregnancy. And then after you name the different reasons that might be going on in you for wanting to write the book, I want to take invite you to take a moment again to notice what you're noticing about those reasons. So we just talked a little bit about the true self, false self, the essential self, the ego self, and just notice for each of the, the reasons that you named um, where those reasons might be um, originating. So are there some reasons that are tied to the ego? Are there some reasons that are tied to the sense of like deeper, enduring, essential self? And I'm not um, asking you to do this to judge your ego self. The ego exists for a reason. It's ultimately usually trying to protect us <laughs> and, and keep us safe. But it's just good to know what is going on here in you. Um, what is motivating you? What is um, 
What is bringing you alive? What feels tied to who you really are in the world? Um, And if the ego is at play, just being aware of that is a huge part of learning how to move forward. It's like, okay, that's there. Um, Why might it be there? What is it trying to do for me? What is it trying to protect me from? Um, What is it trying to help me with? (laughs) Um, And then thinking, how how will I respond to that? Uh, Do I need to help my ego know that it's going to be okay? Do I need to do some work that that allows me to work with some of those things that it's stirring up for me? So again, it's just about being aware of what's at play here. So you can make a decision that's rooted in reality, the reality of all that's truly inside of you right now. Okay, moving to question four, what concerns do you have about writing it? What concerns do you have about the possibility of writing a book? So you might name things here like, I'm concerned about time. I have such a full life already right now. I don't know where I will have the time to do this. You might name, I don't know how to do this. I, um, I don't know enough about publishing. I don't know enough about writing. Um, I don't know enough about my topic. Um, there's more research to do. Um, You might have a concern that you're not a writer, that you don't identify as a writer. And if that, I will just take a pause here and say, if that is one of your concerns, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode one of the podcast where I named the three categories of books that exist in book publishing. And I hope you find some encouragement under the third category, general nonfiction, which is what I work on here at Bookwifery, that those who are writing general nonfiction do not have to be accomplished writers. They do not have to be literary folk. Um, Really, the key here is, do you know how to communicate? (laughs) Can you communicate in a way that others can receive and understand? That really is the 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 key thing for you to be able to do if you if you really are not a writer because you you don't know how to um construct sentences it's always been something you haven't known how to do it's just really not your skill set at all that is something to consider a little bit later on in the guide that we're going through here um, as an important consideration but if you're not if you're saying I'm not a writer because I am not like a literary person and I haven't been reading all the great classics in my you know that exist in the world and I haven't been honing my craft as a writer for years that's okay but Still, naming that as a concern is important to honor the truth that is in you, but just be aware that there are some allowances that get to be made for people who write general nonfiction that's different than the allowances um, or the things that are required for people who write fiction or creative nonfiction. Um, You might have a concern, you might name a concern of rejection, you know, what could happen down the line is it, I'm going to spend all this time working on this thing. What if it never goes anywhere? Um, you might have a concern about the realities of your life and your family. And, you know, will anyone understand what I'm doing? Will my friends and family support me? Will they make room in our shared life for this to become something that I get to do? Um, and what I, here's what I want to name here uh, with question four for you. And that is when you look, when you name all your concerns, Pay attention to whether these are things that can be worked out. Um, If you say, I don't know if I have enough time, well, you can take some time at least to like evaluate that question and say, where in my life could this fit? Um, Where could I make room for this? What other commitments might 
be able to be let go. Um, if you say, I don't know enough about the process of publishing, okay, that is a question that can be worked out because there is plenty of information out in the world about the process of publishing, and um, you can learn that for sure. Um, if you say, as one of your concerns, I just don't know if my family will support me and make room in our life for this, um, before allowing that concern to cut you off from the possibility of being pregnant with a book, you could work that out, at least try to work that out by having a conversation with your family, or with your significant partner, um, to say this is some, if you discern that you really are being invited down this path to say, I, I am discerning an invitation to this. It feels really important. Um, I'm concerned we don't have room in our life for this, or I'm afraid that, that you won't understand it or support me. Can we talk about that? Um, can we work this out? Can you, can you help me, um, feel your support? Um, could we adjust our life so that there's room in our life for this? Um, so looking at the concerns and, f- and noticing whether they are things that truly could be worked out if you, if you discern the invitation to be pregnant with a book was real. And that I call these the workoutables. Like there are things, there are lots of things in the book publishing journey um, that are workoutable. And it's, they are frightening because we don't know them and they feel really big and they are big, um, but they don't have to be frightening. Um, There's steps that you can take for each one and there's, you know, things that you can do to make room for it and learn about it and walk through it. So, which is the work I do here at Bookwifery is to help you do all of that. So that's question four. Question five, in what direction does your life's vocation seem to be headed? Oh my gosh. If I could put flashing lights like marquee lights around this question and ring a bell, ding, 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 ding. This is the question that is at the heart, heart, heart for me in talking with people about discerning their book pregnancy in the category of general nonfiction. So in episode one of the podcast, I talked about general nonfiction as being the category that is directed toward helping other people in some specific way. These are books that help people. And this question about the direction that your life's vocation seems seeming to be headed is a huge piece of discerning whether you might be pregnant with a book because um, if your life seems to be circling around a particular work in the world, if, if everything that you are about has been kind of building towards something, I think I mentioned in episode one about this kind of image of like there's a plot of land around you that you have been tending in a particular direction. Um, that that can be huge for your discernment about book pregnancy. And and you may ultimately discern it's not about a book, but it at least will will help you know, okay, I'm on the right track. Something is being birthed in me or or has been birthed in me and I'm continu- I'm invited to continue tending it or um, planting more things. And so this is a question connected to the concept of platform, um, which we will talk about throughout this podcast and definitely in the next episode where we talk about some of the data gathering that you might need to do um, to continue discerning if this is the right direction for you. But this question of your life's vocation and, and where it seems to be kind of heading or how it's crystallizing around something, um, this is about taking a long-term view of your life. And the reason that this is connected to the question of book pregnancy is because sometimes there's there's something in us that wants to come out because of a specific thing and once it's out it's an, it's it's done and we move on. Um and those can be when in the context of 
the conversation of about a book, that can sometimes be a book that we want to we want to create as like leaving a legacy or being connected to like our family's history and wanting our, you know, specific people in our life to know or want, just wanting ourselves to know that we we articulated something. But when it comes to general um, nonfiction in traditional book publishing or the broader c- conversation of book publishing, whether it's traditionally published or self-published, is that there's kind of a trajectory forward. There's more than one book here. There's a body of work that is bring, being brought into the world through you, and one expression of that is books. So is this a one-off book, or is this something larger connected to kind of the, the fuller scope of your life and where your vocation has been going or circling around? Um, and are you in a place of being willing to direct your life even more intentionally toward it um, or continuing to hone in and focus on that? So again, this is, you know, this is a bigger question related to platform and direction of your life, but it can be connected to the book question because it's about um, might a book fit into this larger picture that my life is about. So we'll talk more about platform in the next episode and in other future episodes, but I love this question about life vocation because for general nonfiction, it's what helps show, demonstrate that you have authority to talk about what you are talking about. Um, this is not just a flash in the pan endeavor for you. This is like something you are tucked into for the long haul, the subject matter, and that a book it, or multiple books are can be an expression of that work. Okay, question six and question seven are connected. They're kind of fun questions. They're quick questions. Um, On a scale of one to 10, how much do you enjoy writing is question six. And question seven is on a scale of one to 10, how much do you enjoy reading books? Okay, Um, and at the low end of that spectrum in the guide, the one, the one on a scale of one to 10, the one is like, I loathe it. (laughs) So do you loathe writing? Do you loathe reading books? And then at the 10 on the opposite side is it keeps me alive. So does writing keep you alive? Does reading books keep you alive? So you don't have to be on like the extreme ends, but where on the spectrum of one to 10, would you say you enjoy writing and you enjoy reading books? And I love this question because it can give you some insight. Um, How much do you enjoy writing? This is just helpful info to know because you will be spending hours upon hours upon hours of your life actually in the writing mode. No one can write the book except you unless you were to hire a ghostwriter to do it for you, in which case that is a completely different endeavor and not something I'm covering here at Bookwifery. But um, if you loathe writing and it feels like pulling teeth to just write sentences and paragraphs. I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to notice that perhaps this is not the endeavor for you. And I say that completely with no judgment because I want you to find the pathway forward that is for you. It could be that you are pregnant with something. It's just not a book. It's something else. And and one way of noticing that might be that writing is really, really difficult for you or really unenjoyable. Um, Pay attention with this question to your past writing experiences, like look at actual data in your life, papers that you might have written for school or university, um, if you wrote a thesis or a doctorate, um, if you were asked to write an article for, you know, a magazine or a blog or your church um, magazine or something. what was that? What were those experiences actually like for you? How was it for you to write? Um, what's the longest piece of writing you've ever written? 
pay attention to that as well as part of this question. A book is, um, you know, on average, 60 to 80,000 words. That is a lot of words. Um, And it's like a very long haul to get it done. And then there's also kind of this collaborative aspect to it, because once the manuscript is done, you start working with an editorial team that helps you finesse and kind of wrangle the ideas and the words into um, cohesive cohesion and um, coherent order. And so noticing what your past experiences of writing have been like, but also, you know, your experiences of collaboration or getting feedback on your writing, how was that for you in the past? And this is all just helpful data for you to bring to this live question on the table about your book pregnancy, your possible book book pregnancy. Um, And then question seven, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you enjoy reading books? This is a good go-to question for what I mentioned back at question one, when you are holding kind of that general sense of like this general question of, am I going to write a book someday in my lifetime? If you were to put yourself on the high end of this question about reading books, like help keep you alive, um, this is, is connected there because, you know, A lot of times people who have been reading their whole life and adore the experience of reading are often holding the question about whether they're going to write a book at some point in their life. And the reason I love this this question and this piece of noticing here is because it allows you to know whether the medium of a book might make sense for you if an actual specific invitation for a book is available to you at some point, whether that's now or later. So if there, if you, if you're answering yourself on the low extreme of the question, like I really don't read, I never pick up a book, I just am not a reader, it might be helpful. Well, it's helpful to name that and the honesty of that. Um, but also to notice that again, that might mean that a book is not the right medium for what is alive to be birthed inside of you. So again, there's no judgment in that. That's This is just about you finding your own personal way forward. Um, I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had over the years with people who say that they have always thought they would write a book, but they don't read books. And I think for those who do read books, writing a book can make sense because they understand the landscape, they understand the length and the breadth and the depth of a book. They get kind of like the heft of it and the kind of big idea-ness that needs to go into a book to publish a book. Um, But people who don't read books don't have that vocabulary, don't have that sense because it's not something that they come in contact with on the regular. And so it's going to be for you, if that's you, um, a question of noticing what mediums would make sense for what you have inside of you to share with the world. And, you know, other mediums might be speaking or teaching or blogging or podcasting or um I say blogging as a written medium because it's shorter form. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just noticing like, could you be as fulfilled sharing what's inside of you to give to the world in some other form? Could you teach? Could you use photography as a way to share that story or that knowledge? Um, There's so many options available to you. And it's really about discerning what is the real invitation for you. And it's totally okay for it not to be a book. But if writing and reading are like second nature to you, if that if that is a language that you get, then a book might might really be the right medium for you. Okay, so now we are moving into the final two questions of the discernment guide. Questions eight and nine. Um, 
I view these as really the place where you start to connect to um, kind of the, the the deeply spiritual aspect of discernment. Um, the previous seven questions have invited you into your own experience of the question of book pregnancy. They've invited you to name and to notice and to reflect. But now as we turn the corner to the final two questions, we are going to start um, learning how you historically have experienced discernment and also how you tend to connect to the holy and have communication and relationship there in order to allow both of those things, your previous experience of discernment and your kind of usual way of connecting to the divine, um, how those two realities in your own life can help you in this discernment question that's on the table right now about book pregnancy. So question eight says, um, well, first of all, you're invited to make a list of previous decisions that required discernment in your life. And there's a big chunk of space on the on this page in the discernment guide that allows you to kind of list those out or create kind of a big mind map of your experiences of decision making in the past that required discernment. And then the question Below that, question eight says, what patterns do you notice, if any, about how you've come to know previous decisions were right for you? Okay. I adore this question (laughs) because this is where you get to start noticing, learning about yourself, how you have come to know things were right or wrong for you in the past. You get to learn through this question how you notice your own inner knowing. What is your inner knower? Um, How do you... um, how do you know things in your life um, and when it comes to big decisions? So when I ask you to make a list of previous decisions that require discernment, I do want to say you may not have gone through any kind of formal process of discernment on decisions in your life before. Um, nothing as formal as what we're doing here. Nothing as formal as like a clearness committee like in the Quaker tradition does. Nothing as formal as working with a spiritual director to help you discern specifically something. But you have needed to make decisions in the past in your life. And you needed to kind of weigh things out and look at all the various factors and make a decision. And some of those decisions you may have made knowing beyond words that they were the right thing for you at that time. And some of those decisions you may have made, maybe things that later on you regretted or you felt like, ah, I just, I shouldn't have gone that direction and I knew it at the time, or I wish I had paid more attention to this particular, you know, signal or factor. Um, And so I want all of that to be included on your list here of previous decisions you've made that did require some discernment or some intention, Um, whether they were decisions that you knew beyond a shadow of doubt were the right thing for you, or whether they were things that you later felt like, oh, I wish I had gone a different way, or I wish I had weighed that a little bit more thoughtfully or paid attention to certain things. So the good and the bad of your previous decisions get to go on this list. And then what I want you to do with question eight is to look at that list of decisions that you've made and start to see if there are any patterns to how you made those decisions, any ways that you can start to see you tend to know something is the right thing for you. So some things that you might um, start to notice are patterns or barometers for discernment for you are um, perhaps it's that with each of the decisions you made that you knew were right for you, you just had this deep 
enduring peace, this deeper knowing. And that is like a a touchstone for you that when you feel that with a decision, you know, it's right, you know, it's time. And so you can just make that decision. And that's what you've done in the past. So it's kind of like this internal barometer or um, this internal gauge that kind of kicks into gear that that kind of is like a tuning fork or something that allows you to like, notice like I'm feeling that here okay I know this is the right thing because it's always it's it's never steered me wrong in the past um it may be that for you you notice on your list of previous decisions that you tend to hold a question for a long time Uh, like maybe each of those things were things that you held for a long time and you kind of weighed and went back and forth and and then suddenly something happened that snap made it clear. And then you were able to move forward. And I'll go ahead and say that this has been my pattern in my own previous discernment. And I'll give you some examples of that in a minute. Um, It could be that you notice in your previous discernment moments that uh, what happened for you is that you had these kind of recurrences that happened, like maybe a conversation that kept cropping up in different places in your life, or a symbol or... um, a word that just, it's like something that kept happening that caused you to turn aside and pay attention. um, And that became a signal for you. And so you're noticing that in a lot of your decision moments in life, that kind of thing happened to help you know what decision to make at a given point in time. And so for you, it's like, oh, one of the ways that I discern something is I start to notice synchronicities, or I start to notice symbols, or I start to notice conversation coming up a lot around a certain thing that I'm trying to decide. And when that starts to happen, I know I need to pay attention. So what we're doing here is we're starting to notice how you notice, (laughs) how you discern your own brand of discernment for your own particular life. And this is a gift to notice about yourself so that as you go forward in your life, whether it's with this question or other questions that will come up, you can tune in. You can say, oh, this is this is how I tend to, to know something is right for me because this kind of thing happens. Um, for me, some examples of personal discernment experiences I named on my list, um, decisions about where to go to college, um, taking my first job out of college, um, leaving jobs when a, t- a season had come to an end, um, making a discernment about transitioning from professional editorial work to being trained in spiritual formation and spiritual direction. That was a huge discernment for me. Um, my husband and I discerned uh, d- joining the Episcopal Church about five years ago. Um, discernment around starting bookwifery for me. Um, discernment even in my life with my husband, um, our discernment to um, get married, you know, that we were a right fit for one another. So these are some of the things I named. And then I went and through and I looked for patterns. And what I noticed for me is that I tend to hold a question for a really long time. And then something happens to make it clear in a moment. So when I was discerning my college choices, when I was, um, when I've discerned leaving jobs, um, when I discerned the path forward with bookwifery, when I discerned joining the Episcopal Church, all of those were questions that I held for a really long time. Discernment could take a long time for me. But then it's like a series of things would happen that immediately made the decision clear. So what's helpful for me in this is that I know when I'm in a season of discernment, it's like I move kind of (laughs) slow. 
(laughs) I need to sit with a question for a while and I tend to kind of mull it from a lot of sides and I feel really muddled and I feel like, oh, I just don't know what's going to be the right thing. And I can now trust that that's just part of my process. And I can also trust that at some point something will happen that will make it clear what I need to do. And that happened with each of those things I named. And um, I was able to move forward with confidence in those decisions. And um, now I know that's how my discernment works. So I want to invite you into a similar noticing. What is your discernment pattern? How do you tend to know things are right for you? Does it take a long time or a short time? Do you notice certain things happening in your life repeatedly that every time you're in a place of decision or discernment that happens? So that's what this question is meant to offer you. And then you can apply that to this question of book pregnancy. Um, How is that showing up now? Um, Are you in that like for me, and I might, I might ask myself, have I been in the messy middle of discerning my book pregnancy for a long time? Has anything happened to make it suddenly become clear? Um, You might notice, um, okay, I usually have a deep inner knowing can I sit with this question of book pregnancy and notice, is that deep inner knowing present? Um, You tend to have recurring conversations, like that's a historical marker for you in discernment. Are those recurring conversations happening now around the question of book pregnancy? So that's what this question eight is meant to offer you. Um, I'd like to have us transition now to the final question of the discernment guide, which is around your key spiritual experiences. So in the guide, you again have a space to make a list of key experiences. uh, What it says is make a list of key moments you would name as foundational spiritual experiences or experiences of God. So you're making a list of moments that you could look back in your past and say, that was a moment of connection to God. That was a moment of encountering the holy. That was a moment that was foundational to my spiritual experience of life. And you're just going to name all of those you know, ones that you can remember in your life. Um, and then the question nine asks you to again, look at the, look at the list and ask yourself, what do these experiences teach you about how you and God communicate with each other? So what I love about our spiritual experience is our spirituality is that it's again, very unique to us. Um, we have ways of connecting to God, of connecting to the sacred that are our ways are, and that also help us know that deep inner knowing that, that connection to God and God's, um, God's connection to us, how we converse, (laughs) how we converse with the divine. And so for you, it might be that when you're out in nature, you tend to have this sense of connection to the sacred. It might be that um, when you're in worship settings, that you have this real sense of God's presence with you. It might be, again, synchronicities that happen in your life, random moments of seeing a feather on the ground or a certain... um, animal that crosses or bird that crosses your path, that these are moments of like, oh, that was God's wink at me, or, oh, that is a moment, or or maybe it's um, these deep formative experiences that happen that are like, whoa, I could not deny that God was present here, Um, that that the divine was interceding in that encounter. Um, So I want you to make a list of those things. And then I want you to notice if there are any patterns there. what what are ways that you connect to what what are ways that you and God communicate with each other? Um, for me, 
what comes up a lot in in my own connection with the divine are images uh, in prayer. I go to prayer and um, an image is given. It's not something I conjure up. It's a sense of which in which I can see in my mind's eye some kind of an image. And then I travel with that image in prayer for months and sometimes even years. And it's like this image that God has given to me in my prayer life that I can journey with. And it becomes a conversation point for me with God. And I go into prayer and I visit that image and I talk to God about it. And I notice how the images shifts or changes over time. So some examples that I'll, I'll share is that like, Images that have been given, um, a scene of a beach, a scene of a cliff, a scene of the woods, a scene of a village and a city, um, a tree image, a shell image. These are all images that in the course of the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I journeyed with at different seasons and became places of prayer for me. And that was how God and I communicated with each other was through the images that I could visit in prayer and connect to God and ask questions and dialogue and notice how the scene changes, changed, um, and what that had to teach me about how God was inviting me or what was true for me. So what might that be for you? Is it that when you go out in nature, you feel a real sense of communion with God? And if that's the case for you, I would invite you to go out into nature, holding your question of book pregnancy and see what you and God can learn about this question together, can dialogue about. Um, if you, like me, get to get images in prayer that you journey with, um, for me, if I was holding this question of book pregnancy, I would go visit my current image in prayer and I would bring the question of book pregnancy and I would see what happens in the image in conversation with God. Um, if it's worship for you, um, that that's where you really experience closeness and connection and communion with the divine, I would invite you to, to go to a place of worship, whether that's listening to worshipful music, whether it's attending a worship service, um, going to the place where you encounter that kind of worshipful experience and bringing your question of book pregnancy there into that context and seeing how you and God uh, connect about it. Um, if it's noticing synchronicities or animals or birds or uh, symbols crossing your path, um, bringing your question of book pregnancy to your noticing. Has that animal shown up? Has that bird flown by? Um, how is that speaking to you? So I hope you can see how key spiritual experiences can be a way of helping you learn how you and the divine communicate with each other and then bringing your question of discernment around book pregnancy into that context where you know you and God know how to communicate and allowing that to be the conversation that you have in that space. So I'd love for you to gather up all of these questions as a whole and spend some time with what you what you named, what you noticed, and kind of sift through them, allow them to journey with you, settle with you, um, see what is emerging as with this question of book pregnancy. Are you pregnant with a book? Um, if your answer to that is yes, I'm just celebrating that with you. I'm excited to see how you might journey forward with that question and how I might be able to provide you some support in that question and that journeying, not that question and that knowing. Um, and if your answer to that question is no, I want to say how excited I am for you to know that. Um, so many people journey with the question of book pregnancy for years and years. They never answer it. They never come to a place of resolution. They live their days always wondering if it was something they should have done. And if you've come to a place of knowing the answer is no, then you get to set that question down without any 
concern or worry or regret. And I just celebrate that because it means that your invitation is for something else. So again, going back to what wants to be birthed in you and in what way does it want to be birthed? So um, you might have clarity that it's not a book, but it's something else. Or you may have clarity that nothing is wanting to be birthed right now, that there are other things for you to attend to, and that's okay too. Um, and if your answer to the question is of book pregnancy is maybe, or I don't know yet, that that's okay too. And you can continue to discern. Discernment can't, can't be... Um, forced into a particular timeline. We can't make it happen um, on demand or on command. And so you get to continue journeying with the question. And I hope that this podcast continues to be a, a companion to you in that question holding. Maybe as you continue to listen to episodes here, you can continue to get more clarity around your question. So Next up in our next episode, I'm going to be talking with you about some of the more concrete realities of book publishing and how um, that information can also help you in your discernment and fill up your what I call your knowledge bank um, as you continue to journey forward with the question. So I look forward to uh, continuing the conversation with you in our next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.